Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with former musician and uh, podcaster, radio presenter, television, talking head and just general all-round top guy. I'm talking to Matt Everett today. Uh, I imagine most of you will know Matt from uh, BBC Six Music. Um, Some of you... You older listeners may remember Matt from um, being in menswear on Montrose Avenue, and there's so much more stuff um, uh, uh, that we discuss uh, throughout this episode. And, and Matt and I are both the same age, and we, we we grew up through very similar scenes, and so it's uh, it's made for a really lovely chat. Um, if you enjoyed the Sean Keaveney episode, um, Matt obviously works with with Sean at Six Music and with Sean's podcast, and and again, it was it was a very similar sort of conversation to that. Lots of similar kind of reference points in our in our lives growing up, and yeah, you're in for a real treat today. It's a, it's a lovely natter. Um, before we get on with that natter, just a few thank yous. Um, thanks to Scroobius Pip, everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Um, big love to Seventy Six for producing this. Um, you know, it's 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 never um, a super easy job when you're recording a lot of this stuff remotely and you've got your your audio from your Zoom and, and 76 has a wonderful job in, in ensuring that the the recording is as warm and sounding uh, and, and as nice sounding as, as as he can do for you. So you're in for a, a treat today. It sounds lovely this episode. Um, thanks to you lot, obviously. Um, that's the big the big love uh, is to you lot for continue uh, continuing to. Support this podcast. We're we're 400 episodes in, and it's been wonderful. You know, I I mean, we we talk lots today about imposter syndrome, and 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 some of the people that Matt sat down and spoken to uh, at six is insane. Um, and and yeah, and and that pinch yourself moment. And you know, I feel like I've had a few pinch myself moments doing this podcast, and and getting to chat to people that. If you would have told me three years ago, I'd be having a conversation with them about, you know, what what they think's the greatest ever intro is. I'd, I'd never have believed you. So, um, and that all comes down to the fact that this podcast gets lovely support from you lot, and so so big love and thanks to yous. Um, if you'd like to support off the beaten track, then there's loads of ways you can do it. You can give us a like, love, a share, or a retweet on the socials. Give us a follow. Um, you can subscribe on your listening uh, platform. That's that's always really helpful. Um, you can leave us a little comment. Uh, you can nudge your mate and just tell him that there's this podcast with this elderly lispy bloke from Essex that bangs on about records he likes. Um, you can do that. 
or you can you can get involved for for ninety nine, uh, well for a dollar a month. What's that? Seventy seventy odd p seventy five p. For seventy five p a month, you can become a Patreon, and uh, and then what you get there is you can watch all the episodes. Um, so if you watch all them episodes, they'll be ad free. Um, you can get access to shows that have never been released to the public. You get access to hundreds of radio shows, um, artist playlists, um, all sorts of bits and pieces. And, uh, and yeah, and that'll cost you about 20 pence a week. And, uh, and yeah, and essentially you're supporting the podcast and, uh, yeah, it's a few pennies in the pot to cover the, the cost of production and such. So, um, yeah, that's there. Uh, if you want to do that, everything you need to know, all the links to everything is at the website off the beat and not beaten beat and track podcast.com anyway please enjoy today's episode of off the beat and track podcast with the glorious matt everett right i've got to take a quick break in this podcast because i've got some super exciting news off the beat and track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the cacao bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The cacao bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Maverick, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm okay. It's a pleasant day. I got back from Download Festival yesterday. Mm-hmm. I've just I've just had a big dose of metal in my life, which was nice. Nice. Um, it's just the nicest event. Like I'm, I'm, I like I like rock, but I'm not like a huge metalhead. But I just love it. It's just such mm. a brilliant, lovely. Beautiful. Everyone's so warm and friendly, even though yeah. they look terrifying. It's great. It's my kind of yeah. A little bit festival. It was my first festival of the year as well, so it's kind of right. The season's starting. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Let's let, let's talk download briefly. Who did uh, who blew your way down? It's Iron Maiden. It was just great. You love a bit of Maiden. I mean, like it's it's sometimes I I only know for seven or eight songs probably. Mm-hmm. But they've been like around, like I've had friends that have loved them from as long as I've been like 12 years old or something, yeah. you know, they've kind of just been there. And sometimes you've just got to go, even if I don't like this genre, maybe, or don't feel that it's for you. When a band that's, that's, that's that big and that good, you've just got to embrace it. You've just, yeah. you've got to witness it. You've got to yeah. see it in an audience, non-ironically, just go and enjoy the 40 foot, Egyptian zombie that's walking around on stage with a massive axe. That's that's <laughs> and you know Nicka McBrain being amazing on the drums. Yeah, they're just they're still a force to be reckoned with. I loved it. I loved it. Are you have you got a metal 
a metal soul? No, I've been to download. Like my mate's seen like a one man sort of comedy thing called Cunt and the Gang, and uh, oh yeah, 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 I know. That. And uh, and so I've gone up with him a few times when he's played there, and and I run a, an alternative club like in mm-hmm. in Essex, and and I've done for thirty years, and we play metal there, and it's just one thing that. I just don't get it. And I wish I did. But, like, don't get me wrong. I'm talking, like, I love Deftones. I love Faith No More and stuff like that. But when it gets into, like, Sepultura, Pantera, uh, and Maiden and stuff, I just just don't get it. And, like, I don't know what it is. It's just, like, and I'm pretty open-minded for everything. It's lovely when you see people going, you know, losing their shit to it. But it's (laughs) it's just not for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's some of the yeah, simple too. I, th- I think you've got to go on your journey with it, haven't you? you, you you've got to find the act that you that you fall for, then kind of follow all the different stuff off it. So I've never gone that sort of deep, and some of it just just kind of I'm saying I don't get it, but like your ACDCs and your Maidens and those that stuff. I just think there's something. It's really yeah, it, it's there's no irony. It's yeah. just done the love and the joy. And the noise, and yet the crowd at Download is just everyone is so welcoming. What I I love about Mel is like doing this podcast as well for for as long as I've been doing it. You sort of chat to people, and they've all grown up having sort of experienced different sorts of movements in music, and and you know whether that be Britpop, baggy, grunge, whatever you want to sort of label it. They've all come and gone, and now when I look at alternative music. Uh, or the indie scene, whatever you want to call it, like the, the sort of the days of the sort of t-shirt bands and and that everybody wears their colours on their sleeves. It's quite tri- that seems to have disappeared. That sort of tribal thing, metal mm. never consistent. Exactly. It's it's still there. Yeah, it's still there, and there's just something really cool about it because it's not. It doesn't give a fuck about cool. Yeah, it has no interest. It's welcoming. Anybody can like, as I say, you could turn up in like like a white tracksuit and a Kangol hat, and people would be like, "Oh, great, you're at the gig. Come on, we don't care." So that it, it's inclusive. It's not interested in, in in being based in fashion. It's not interested in being trendy. It, it, which makes it that's the definition of cool, though, isn't it? Hundred you know, percent. If you're ACDC and you and I'm, you know, you've got one song. It's a really, really fucking good song. <laughs> yeah. And you can say the same about the Ramones. You've got what I know. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, Thunderstruck is not anything like you shut me all night long. I, I get that. I know really. what you're saying, mate. I totally you know what get what you're saying. But like, that's just that frees you up. For like, mm. oh, your next record. We're really trying to invoke. No, fuck it. We're just going to do our thing. Yeah, because we love it. You love it, and we do it amazingly. Yeah, bang, 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 forever. Yeah, that's cool. You totally, know? totally. <laughs> Right, I'm going to start your playlist, Matt, and I'm going to ask you, and you've sent this list over in advance, and you've been well greedy, and you've, you've got I loads know, of honourable mentions, So, uh, but they're all good, so uh, I'm going to allow it, mate. Um, oh, just, just, just hack me down. Right, track one, I'm going to ask you please to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Right, I've had a lot of these in my but I had um, The Old Man's Back Again by Scott Walker, which is... Uh, one of the greatest bass openings ever. There's a lovely Scott Walker uh, documentary that David Bowie's in, and they play the start of Old Man's Back Again, and Bowie goes, now that's a good bass line. 
<laughs> you know, um, name of the game by ABBA. Mm. Maybe because I went to go see him the other day, but I, I was brought up on ABBA, and I lo- I love sad ABBA. I like the sad stuff that happened that they wrote a lot about when they were getting divorced. And name of the game is just such this, this is incredibly hypnotic, pulsating sort of intro. I've got a remix of it. I'm trying to find remixes of it. And the only one I found was called The Impossible Remix. It's just the intro looped for about six minutes. Nothing happens. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Um, they smash you know, heartbreak, go, don't they? I mean, oh, uh, God. one of us, like, oh, oh my Lord. <laughs> God, what a band! Um, so, did you uh, see the, the the new look concert? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, 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 I went to the sort of opening, the sort of first big press night. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, like the, the live band, I chatted away to a guy who was the kind of musical director. He's little boots uh, in that band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and he helped put the band together. He's a young lad, and he said Benny and Beyond's thing was like, this can't be like a pit band from theatre. No, we want people that have played in bands. We want people, age isn't important. We want people that, that get gigging, yeah. not just playing, you know, the music to cats every night in a the theatre. Yeah. Not that there's a good skill to do that, but that's not what they wanted. And we want people that are going to gel. Yeah. She might not be the best place pair, but when she's with him on the drums, that's, we want that chemistry. And the band was just phenomenal. They were brilliant. Oh, nice. So yeah, I kind of loved it. But, yeah. One of us was, was, was there. Oh, I did that. But um, I mean, I, because I was brought up with ABBA, that was one yeah. of the things that kind of seeped into my brain. Heroes by Bowie, because it's one of the best songs ever recorded. And, you know, you must have that. Do you have those certain songs that whenever you hear them, first of all, you get that little bit of a rush and then your mind starts to sort of have a wonder if you're walking around or something and you're like, um, I wonder what happened if, like, if he'd been playing like just before they came to that song at Glastonbury, and the drummer broke his ankle mysteriously for no reason, and they had to get someone else to play the drums, and, and they chose me. And I play this little scenario where I'm playing heroes with Bowie at Glastonbury, and it always like it's such a like yeah. teenage thing to think, isn't it? Hey, we want you. Um, but the, my, the, my 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 actual choice, what I'm going to go for, is Wichita Lineman by Glen Campbell. I mean, that, aside from intro, is one of the greatest records ever made, full stop. It is. Oh. Yeah. Do, do you have any... I, I don't even know what it's about, really. I mean, I know that the character is someone that works on the pylons. Yep. Out, but it's not about that, is it? It's kind of about loneliness that's inferred by that position. Um. And that sort of, the ambiguity around it is what means I come back to it again and again and again. The arrangement is perfect. The musicians, which is the wrecking crew, isn't it? You know, that, the crack team of LA session players who played on Pet Sounds and uh, all these incredible records are so on point. Yeah. There's not a beat wasted. It swings just enough to carry you along bass playing which are probably carol k it's carol k yeah it's oh, just i mean it's just it's beautiful and lyrically i don't know if once again i don't i don't you know um it's i'm just thinking about it now it's making the hairs on my yeah. back on my neck stand up because it's just it's just perfect are you a fan uh it's one of my favorite ever records and it's oh. it, it 
you said so much about it, but it also wrenches your heart from your chest as well. That it's mm-hmm. the, just the, the the sound of the record, uh, irrelevant of anything else. Just the, the overall sound of it just sounds. It just feels like there's so much like longing in it. It's mm. like oh, it's it's a beauty. Have you? couple of versions of it because it's a, an ambitious song to take on right oh yeah have you ever heard do you remember these animal men i do remember these animal men yes i do right. so they did, a version. they did a version right and obviously they them and smashing all them bands were like a bit gnarly kind of speed yeah. you know punk pop whatever you wanted to call it this is like it sounds like spiritualized it was a b-side oh. and it's just really blissed out and it's amazing, and like I don't know if it's available anywhere, but if you ever hear it, it's like it's imagine spiritualized doing Wichita lineman. It's I'm gonna make a note of that. Cracking. Cracking. I'm gonna make a note of that Wichita because I I also love the uh, animal men. Um, I love the uh, Sammy Davis Jr. version. Have you heard mm. that? Mm. That's great because it kind of goes double time and starts yeah. to really really swing. That's a really lovely version. Yeah, REM do it. No. Mm, there was uh, they they they've done it live a few times, and there was a uh, an REM sort of docu film made, and and they finish and they're sound checking, and they sound check Wichita Lineman and Stipe's voice, that oh. last note of like still on the line, like he just nails it, and it's like oh, I think great. Stipe's voice is really underrated anyway, and he absolutely just takes it somewhere. It's uh, yeah, it's a cracker. Yeah, I I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time. That'd do, Gee. wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, oh. yeah. <laughs> when I was at college um, in North London, a friend of mine did me a compilation cassette. Mm. There's lots of different versions of that song, like eight different versions, yeah. which I absolutely loved. Yeah, it's um, it's a biggie, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good way to start biggie. your playlist as well, mate. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, look, we, I mean, it's about as emotional as it gets, that record, but I'm going to ask you for track two uh, to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Right. So the uh, the first record that I remember ever owning was The Wombling Song by The Wombles. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my parents bought me all of the singles, an orange disc in the middle of the singles. So I like, had The Wombles around. So I was young. Uh, the Muppet theme. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's amazing because my daughter watches The Muppets now and it has exactly the same reaction. There's, there is no... The fun in it, the irreverence in it, yeah. and, like, and all those songs, they're just great. I did an interview with Kermit and Miss Piggy once. They came into BBC Six Music. I say they, because they. And the kind of their... Are they handlers? Puppeteers? Muppeteers? What? Came in with, with two big sort of black sort of cloth yeah. bag and you go into the studio and you sit down and then they take them out and then you do the interview with right, them. Right, hang on. You didn't see the middle bit, did you, where they're prepping them? No. No, no they keep it out of sight. Oh, and then next thing you know, they come amazing. up and, you, and you, you speak to them. You don't speak to the people doing the voices or the handling because as far as your brain, in my, my like five-year-old brain just goes, oh, it's Kermit and Miss Piggy, brilliant. Oh, and you get quite starstruck. Man. So I love all that stuff. Uh, Rainbow Connection, which is, uh, that's oh, it's not up there with Wichita Lineman, but Rainbow Connection's got a similar kind of mm-hmm. um, lyrical, like, a, like a, I don't know, impossible to pin down, sort of slightly 
I don't know. There's a there's a philosophical side to Rainbow Connection. Yeah. The lovers, the dreamers, and me, which is really powerful. So I remember that. Um, um, I remember watching. Do you know the War of the Worlds soundtrack? You'll probably yeah, be familiar. Yeah. yeah. The, the I think original... we, uh, we must be very similar in age. I'm I'm, I'm 49. I hope I'm not. I'm 49 too. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I remember. Actually, you know what? We're going to come back to that one. That's going to do a school one. We'll come back to that because it meant a lot. Right. Really, it's got to be yesterday by the Beatles. Okay. Because my parents, my dad was very much into classical music and a little bit of jazz, which I've kind of kept on top of. But my mum was Abra and Sam Garfunkel and the Beatles. Yeah. And she was, she was, um, she was there, like following the Beatles when the Beatles were happening. Yeah. So is, is it even in here? Let me have a look. Can I find it? I can't. Is that it? Yeah, so I'm looking for it now and I can't find it. There's her copy of Rubber Soul, right? Is one of my most prized possessions. I can't find it. It's in the record book somewhere. Yeah, her copy of Rubber Soul has got like her name and address written in, in pencil on the back of it in like 1966 because you used to take your records to parties and you wouldn't want to get them nicked. So I would I was brought up on the Beatles and just it's it's in it's an easy thing to say. It's informed everything. Everything yeah. like my, my my love of melody comes from that. My all the weird stuff I like comes from like how they when I used to listen to like Strawberry Fields when I was six and go, What the fuck is this? Yeah, I, I still <laughs> think that when I hear it. Oh, yeah, it's still <laughs> at the end. Um, so but yesterday I remember being at my neighbors, the next to neighbors when I was little, um, used to go and play around their house a little bit. And I remember yesterday coming on the radio and we'd be playing, me and their kid had been playing hide and seek and I was hiding behind the sofa in their house. You know, when you're little, like other people's houses always feel a bit strange. So yeah. It was quite a weird, I was like, they don't smell the same, their furniture's different, you know, I'm four or whatever, this is odd. And yesterday came on and I just remember feeling absolutely like floored by what this guy was kind of saying. I didn't know what a relationship was. All I knew was he had somebody with him, a friend, and they went and they're gone. He doesn't know why. Why she went away, she didn't stay. I just remember being absolutely devastated by how incredibly sad it was. (laughs) Do you think that was the first time you'd like heard music and it was something other than just oh it's just something like that you know that gets played you know it's just it's just sounds do you think that was the first time it sort of resonated that there was yeah levels there was, to there was, it? like like uh like the muppet show and stuff like that was just yeah it was it was yay it's like music is yeah. musical statues and fun it just comes on and it's nice to hear it this was the first time that anything kind of that i realized that you could deliver emotion yeah Without even knowing what it was. How fucked up is that? Yeah. Even knowing what a relationship was. <laughs> you're like, oh, this person's sad. Yeah. I feel sad now. I feel sad because, I don't know, maybe you're thinking, I feel bad for them. Or I'm thinking, what would it feel like if the thing that they're saying happened to me? I don't know. You're too young, I guess, to put yeah. that together. But I don't. it's not a song I even listen to very much anymore because it's so familiar. You say or, that, right? And... I went after watching the, the 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 Beatles doc, you know, a couple of months back, 
I, yeah, just, yeah. I just went on another deep dive on, on, on the Beatles and and I was just having a run and yesterday come on and like you say is it is it the most covered song ever or something like that isn't something it? like that yeah yeah and, yeah and so you know even if you're not a fan of music you've heard that song a lot you know because mm. it's just there it exists and it's it's you know it's always floating about and I was running and and this is what I love about the Beatles I think sometimes they just catch you off guard and I was like fuck this song <laughs> and I was like I stopped running oh I'm, I'm often looking for an excuse to do that but like I stopped running and I was like and I just listened to it then I put it on again and then I'm a bit weird like that if I like something I'll plat 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 over and over and over until like I kind of, sort of I can put it to rest but I literally for the rest of my run just listened to yesterday and and just literally got in and was like I've just listened to yesterday about fucking 10 times. It's amazing. And it's, I don't need to tell anyone yesterday's amazing. Everybody knows it's amazing, but it just but, yeah. caught me off guard again. I was like, there's a reason this is everywhere. It's so fucking incredible. Yeah. It, it's, it is, it's not, it's also quite, a, it's a slightly unconventional song structure. It's not, there's that thing that the Beatles do when like, they just kind of write as they hear it and they don't think, Oh, this is the structure. So like, all you need is love. Parts of that are three, four time signature. Parts of it are four, four. Yeah. John Lennon didn't do that. He just wrote it. Yeah. He wasn't thinking, let's be clever. So things just kind of come out. It's, it's so, yeah. And I'm maybe if I'd never heard it at all and I knew nothing about the Beatles, I could come in and my opinion of it would be different, but I don't think it would. Mm. I think, I think even if you knew nothing about them and you knew nothing about their history and their importance, you'd still hear that song for the first time and be completely completely powerless it's just it's amazing isn't it 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 really is um let's stay in these these early formative years and i'm going to ask you please matt for uh for track three to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school please so there's a couple of these there's there's three of these and i think i know which one i'm going to go for one one was coming back from the first school trip i did when i was 11 Mm -hmm. to france you know go on a coach trip to france with your sort of secondary school 11 primary school whatever it is and uh, and on the coach and the way back, on the way back, everyone was like out of their minds on fucking fruit pastels and shit. Like big coach, ten year old and eleven year old kids. Like, oh god, is there anything worse? Probably ten. And they uh, and the coach driver, who was obviously like probably only in his twenties or something, put on a, a, a VHS on the top of the telly in the middle of the aisle, and put on a load of top of the pops that he'd obviously VH death. And there was. Um, a town called Malice by the Jam. Never seen the Jam. Knew nothing about them. Did the only I and I was. This feels really angry and like this guy means it. And I love the Jam. I'm, I'm not like like a, once again. I'm not a completist. I'm not a. The little mod bit of me is always going to adore them. But it was just something about I I want because I, I didn't know the soul influence because I hadn't been exposed to a lot of soul music mm. coming from Birmingham with my parents. So I didn't even know that's why it rolls like that. And the Hammond is like, you know, carrying the whole song along. Cause it's like, it's a book of tea. It's a soul thing, isn't it? The well I loved at the time, but I'd never heard that before. And they look young. They look really young. And I just thought this, I I'd seen top of the pops, but I'd seen like, you know, Michael Jackson and people like that. I hadn't seen like people from a town. Yeah. That, conceivably was like not too dissimilar to the town I came from, the city that I came from. He didn't look Being like really a pop star, did he? He looked like a bloke. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> like with, with hindsight, that made him a brilliant pop star. 
But um, it's just so the urgency of it, really. That's kind of the energy. word. That's the word. Yeah. So urgent, urgent, isn't it? Um, I loved uh, Adamant because going a bit younger, if you're seven years old and you see a guy on top of the pops dressed like a fucking pirate stroke buccaneer stroke highwayman, like this with a fucking and all the jacket and the hat and the striping nose, it's pretty. That's it's pretty, all the boxes, right? It takes all, it's really, lots of drums, loads of drums, big catchy choruses. Stand and deliver, horses galloping, and he was beautiful. Yeah, man. He, like, like he was like absolutely incredible looking dude. So I love that, and I remember coming in the day after top, he was on top of the box, and everyone just running around the playground singing it. Yeah. Um, but the one I'm going to choose is uh, The Eve of the War by Jeff Wayne mm-hmm. from the War of the Worlds, the musical version of War of the Worlds featuring Richard Burton. And we were sat down in a school assembly. I guess I must have had some cool teachers. And normally you'd sit down in assembly and like, they talk, talk to you about some shit. Um, and occasionally they'd be like, oh, here, here's a piece of music that one of the teachers would play on guitar or something. And for some reason, one of the teachers thought it'd be a good idea to play this school of like, what, so what, four, four and a half year olds to 10 year olds? Play them the start of War of the Worlds on what was probably like a wooden sided stereo. And it fucking blew my mind. You know, I'm, I'm, is it pre Star Wars? It might be. It's about the same time, isn't mm. it? Um, when your brain is, is, is like ready to be blown by things. Mm. And this story and Richard Burton's voice. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm being told this story about Martians coming down to Britain. And I can't see anything, but I can hear, can hear this. And it's fucking brilliant. It's an ama- like, amazing piece of music. The musicianship's off the hook. You listen to it now and it's got that sort of very 70s British mm. session guy sound. Um, so it kind of it's kind of groovy, but in a very English seventies way. It's quite terrifying as well. No, it's fucking. It's really, really. Dun, 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 the strings yeah. sound amazing. You know, if if there is a direct correlation between like my love of John Barry and like Scott Walker and the orchestral Radioheady stuff, and and, and this and loving this, there's yeah. clearly that this is where big, beautifully recorded, warm strings. Yeah, and it still sounds great. Yeah. Um, what odd thing to do release a double album it was probably on double cassette as well and I love that you couldn't you only had the kind of cassette cover there was no film it was all in your mind I I, I vividly remember sitting around my uncle's house and he played that on probably a wooden sided uh, stereo and just staring at it was double vinyl we had and I remember just staring at that cover and being I mean I can't remember anything other than like the the eeriness of the voice and that, uh, that that you know string uh and i remember just being really really scared of what i was hearing and uh and that's amazing that that's just audio there's you know there's no visual as such attached to that do you know what i mean yeah. and it was yeah it was uh well i, I guess it's, it's still having such impact because you can still go and see that like the o2 they still do oh, them yeah. kind of uh does. Mm. selling a little or a lot 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It occurs. Yeah, there's, there's a track a little bit further in. Uh, that has got this really scary bass line that kind of slowly phases into being. And you're right, it's terrifying. So let's play it to a bunch of six-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined for life. Totally Aside ruined. from being terrified in in, uh, in your assembly, how, how was school, Matt? Did you enjoy it? Um, primary school was fun. So, yeah, so second, uh, when I was 11, I went to a grammar school in Birmingham called King Edwards, and I think I liked it. I was, I was allowed to be interested in the things I wanted to be interested in, which was art and English and music. So I felt like I was able to pursue those things yeah. in a way that I wanted to. And that made all the other stuff kind of bearable. I wasn't bullied um, much uh, any more than any other kid when you start school um, or boys school, which is probably quite good for concentration. Um, yeah. And they had a drum kit in the basement. They had a drum kit. So that was, that was where it all the music thing really started. Cause I used to go down to the basement uh, on breaks and lunch hours and play this crappy drum kit. And a friend of mine had a crappy guitar. And that's all we do every every day. Go down to the basement and play terrible Queen covers or like, you know, uh, All Right Now by Free or like anything at all. We just do that. And you look back, you think, oh, that's all, like every fucking day for years, every break in the morning, every lunchtime, every afternoon, go down to the basement, play, 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 play. And the guy I used to play with is, um, he's now an amazing professional bass player, a guy called Suman, Suman Joshi. He's an Afrobeat jazz bass player. I like that he ended up doing that. And I kind of ended up being a musician then talking about music. So it must have worked. So having access to that meant school was great, I guess. Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? I always thought I was going to be uh, a cartoonist or an artist or a designer. That was always the thing that I was good at. I didn't. I only took up the drums because I thought 
a friend of mine, Suman, the guy I just mentioned, was um was a guitarist before he became a bass player. And so he was like 12 and could play the guitar. And I was like, oh, it's too fucking late for me now. I'm not going to learn to play the guitar. It's too late. I'm 12. Yeah. No chance I'm going to get any good now. It's too late. The moment's passed. Dickhead. Um, so I thought, yeah, drum, drums will do, because I didn't understand music very well, mm. all the notation. So that was... Um, I always thought it'd be brilliant to be a drummer, but that that sort of crystalline, that is what I'll do, didn't happen for a while. Did it, did it feel like it's something that, you know, growing up in Birmingham, did it feel like you could, you could make it in music? Did that feel like that that was something that could happen? Does, I mean, I don't know, you're the same. It didn't seem... Yeah, I think, like, the, the stuff that we're about to sort of come on to, music was essentially adamant was queen i used to love queen when i was a kid um michael jackson was obviously happening a lot in the 80s it was it was big pop stars wasn't mm. it it's that, that that's what a music career was there was yeah. no way that a little scrote from like you know middle class family in birmingham was going to end up Mike being michael jackson mm. probably thing so it wasn't until alternative music happened and I'm I'm second generation indie, so I'm not like first time round on the Smiths. I'm like a little bit later. But that when that happened, it was like, oh, okay, they're like us. Insert name of band there. Mm. And that was when it was like, well, then why can't we do it? I'm, you know, that punk thing, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. You see other people doing it. You know. And so tell me how was men's where the first gig? I was in terrible bands for years. <laughs> okay. I was in shocking, shocking bands um, before I got into like proper bands. So yeah, so from like even yeah, being at like being twelve, being a little school band, and then yeah, the school band sort of like became a little college band, and then and we we we, we like David Bowie, and we like you know. Uh, kind of rock stuff and so you'd be trying to sort of do that you'd be trying to sort of do thin white duke era david bowie stuff without the cocaine habit or the um the kind of the musical chops or the understanding of what yeah. that music what what it took yeah to play you know i don't know look back in anger or like you know um some of that bowie we couldn't we weren't equipped to be able to understand to do it but, but you've got that blind confidence at that point though yeah, haven't yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Which is which is great. Oh yeah, we well, yeah we can do this. We can play a Roxy music song without really knowing why that song kind of worked. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, then then sort of indie music came in, which is the next kind of list, sort of list of things. So, um, but first, the, the first time I bought, jumping ahead a bit, first music I bought was uh, I've got in, I got Complete Madness on cassette, and I got Business as Usual by Men at Work on cassette, Brilliant. which featured. Down Under, yeah. the global mega smash. Did that have a song on it where he says it's just another fuck? I don't know. Because I remember, like, um, my mate's dad had the album, uh, and, and obviously it was like, because they, to me, at that age, they felt like an Australian madness. They were just a load of lads, <laughs> like, making funny videos. So it was like, this exactly. is great. And exactly. then... 
he played this record and, and I remember they said fuck and I was like oh my god this is outrageous and it was what? like it felt so like anarchic hearing like this Aussie guy just sort of saying the word have another fuck or something like that and I remember thinking this is crazy but but you mentioned Adaman and you know and the jam and things like that and the, the impact that like madness had on, on young oh, lads yeah. as well was just I mean crikey I mean also that Greatest Hits album. There is not a bad fucking minute on that record. Yep. There is not on complete... I mean, they did a few Greatest Hits, but that was... There isn't anything... Let's have a little look at Complete Madness. Let's have a look. I have often banged on on this podcast that they don't get the no. respect they deserve because of the novelty videos and the fact yep. that they titted about a lot. It <laughs> kind of overshadowed the fact that Barson, whoever it was that wrote all of them songs. Oh, my songs. God, what a songwriter. Like, okay, so here we go. Uh, Complete Madness, Embarrassment, Shut Up, My Girl, Baggy Trousers, It Must Be Love, The Prince, Bed and Breakfast Man, Nightboat to Cara, House of Fun, One Step Beyond, Cardiac Arrest, Grey Day, Take It or Leave It, In The City, The Return of Lost Palmer 7. Not a bad song on that. Incredible. Still stands up. Incredible. Apt, yeah. What's your five? Like, uh, my, when I got a bit older, I gathered got a, a few a few stepbrothers and um one of them dave was like massively into two-turn and madness and um older than me most lovely guy and would never but would never dance would not dance yeah like even wouldn't even do the kind of marching that wouldn't do it, yeah except for uh it must be love that would be the only thing that he'd dance to with his girlfriend <laughs> the only thing ever so i, I and that's i know it's not a madness song yeah. but once again, it's also kind of perfect, that song, isn't it? It's beautiful. Really is. Yeah, so those two songs just went round and round on the little front-loading cassette machine while I made Lego. Uh, just non-stop. <laughs> Men at Work hasn't probably aged that well. But also, I didn't really know how much they were ripping off the police until, like, a bit later when yeah. I was like, oh, right, it's, it's the fucking police. It's yeah. like, yeah, who I also got a real boner for for a long time. Um, really like the police. Was that the uh, sort of just the songs, or was that the the, the drumming kind of? Was, oh, was I wanted you... to be Stuart Copeland. I still yeah. want to be. Stuart. I've met Stuart Copeland, and I want to be Stuart Copeland. <laughs> he's like, you know, I, oh, he's quite. He's a yeah, a phenomenally talented man. So I always wanted to play the drums like him. Yeah. Never, no one plays drums like that. Um, he looked so cool in the Police as well. Yeah, man, they 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 were phenomenal. Um, and just, yeah, I think, what is it? Zendata Moniata, third one. That's the one for me. Like, also, once again, kind of get overlooked, I think, because of the, like, because Sting's such a knob at times. <laughs> and some of these lyrics are fucking terrible. Yeah. Is you, you sort of forget that they were the biggest band in the world oh. for a long time. And they were, like, they were good, man. Mm. So, yeah. I hear lots of police stuff. I, I hear rumours of police things happening in the future, actually, weirdly. Oh, really? I just it's so weird I know obviously it's well documented that there's also there was always so much infighting but whenever you see them talk about each other this still just feels like it doesn't seem like they're mates it just it <laughs> resonates that kind of whatever's yeah. gone on I'll tell you what I don't know if you watched it but did you watch um about two years ago BBC put together a Tears for Fears documentary no I like the Tears for Fears that's it god just the feeling between them two was unreal. 
They were both talking about their career together, sitting next to each other, but okay, each other. you could tell that like the animosity was, it was just screaming through the telly. I was like, oh man, you should have just spoke to me in separate rooms. They clearly do not like each other. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because that's, that's part of it though. Yeah. That's part of it. That's how bands, one of the things that I'm endlessly fascinated in, mm. in, in groups by is, is it's, the music's come from somewhere. Yeah. Even if it's come from like one person, she wrote it. Mm. They're still in that band unit. Yeah. Like it, it wouldn't sound the same if the drummer had gone, yeah, I'm cool with whatever. Yeah. It wouldn't. Had the drummer gone, that's fucking shit. I'm not playing that. I want to yeah. play this. Bit. Fuck off. No, you're not. It's my song. Fuck off. I'm the drummer. <laughs> that That's all makes it. That's how yeah. it, that's how it works. It's like, mm. come back to the beat. That's why I'm fascinated by their interrelations as much as anything. But a friend of mine's done a lot of work with Stuart Copeland and says it's really interesting that he's, if anyone has a go at Sting, takes a piss out of Sting in his company, he gets, he gets fucking livid. Because really? he's like, he's like, I, he's my friend. I can call him a cunt and I can take the piss out of him. But fuck off, you can't. Because you don't fucking know him. I'll fucking defend him. Right, he's, wow. he's mine. So I thought I was like, that's cool. Yeah, so he's like, he, he, he won't have a bad word said against him unless it's him saying the bad word. But I think that's kind of, it's nice there, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, you, you, he's, you, he's you my cunt, the right to, to call him a cunt. Like, yeah. it's my right, yeah, not yours. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, where were we? Where were we? Where were we? First songs you bought, you mentioned Madness. Yeah, 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 Madness, uh, Men at Work, and... The first, single, the first single I got was Blue Jean by David Bowie, which seems quite late. Because that was like 85. What has to be? Let's have a look. Which is, in my mind, a very underrated David Bowie song. Yeah, I've got no issue with that. Uh, 84, there we go. There's a lot happening in 84, wasn't there? Um, I still like it. It's off a terrible album. Um, I Because I've been exposed to David Bowie by... Uh, a friend, weirdly, the same friend who used to live next door that I heard yesterday in, I went round to there, they moved house, and I went to go and do some homework there because our families were friends. And the girl I was friends with, who was a little, a little bit older than me, had left some records out for me to sort of listen to while I was doing my homework. So once again, like 12, mm. and she'd left Changes Bowie out. So I was like, this is a cool looking dude. Mm. You know, the black and white picture he looks like, something out of an old 50s silver screen flick. And I think I knew Space Oddity, maybe, I don't know. And it was like, oh, my God. Every song on this record is completely different. Who is this fucking crazy guy? And I fell in love with him. So the minute he released something new, I was like, oh, great, it's new. Not really knowing that it was maybe a lull for Bowie. Yeah. But I loved the single. Mm. I did love that single. I still like it. The video's good. What year was Absolute Beginners? That must have been 84, 85. Similarly, yeah. Once again, almost an amazing song. A good song. Almost an amazing song. Kind of, it sort of misses a burst, doesn't it, really? I fucking love Absolute Beginners. Is it a biggie for you? Yeah, it really is. I'm a, I, you know, I'm a huge Bowie fan, but there's just something about that record. It's got a sort of Sinatra vibe to it. It's got, yeah. like, it's just really grand. And, <laughs> and I think just being the age I am, the, the furore around that film when it come out. and It's a big deal, wasn't it? And then yeah. nothing happened. It wasn't yeah. very good. Yeah, it was a really, really sort of got panned, didn't it? But, uh, but oh, I love Absolute Beginners. I think it's, I think it's an absolute belter. Um, so 
doing those early gigs uh, in school bands and things like that, was you a, was you a confident young man? Yes. It's funny, you look back and you look at, look at the confidence that you had and you're like, Jesus Christ, where did that come from? I am constantly plagued with self-doubt and worry and anxiety on a minute-by-minute <laughs> basis now. I am genuinely... Boy, what's happening? Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was very... I carried drum cases around Birmingham <coughs> on buses and we rehearsed all the time. And it was, yeah, it was, it was what... I think I was quite good at it as well. You know, I was I was quite a good, not an amazing musician, but I was quite good at like making things happen. Let's book a gig. Let's go and do this. Let's. Was you find that guy? Up. Was you the guy in the band? Yeah. Because every band needs one of those. One of the ones that kind of feels like they sort of. Then maybe they don't, but they feel like they maybe want it a bit more than the others, and will go to that extra length. Will be the one that after the gig will go and chat to the promoter and keep them sweet and see if you can get another book yeah. in and and arrange the rehearsal. And do you know what I mean? Make a post, yeah, photocopy the posters, go yeah. out with a bag, wallpaper paste, and let people yeah put the posters up. Yeah, it was it was. I think it's because I, I couldn't sing and I couldn't write music, so I thought, well, I'll just the, the, what I can do is play the drums, is like try and make things happen. And it was me and there was a few people came in and out, but there was, there was one other guy that I, that I met at school the year above me called Paul that we did. He was always the singer and guitarist of whatever the band was. And we kind of sort of came up together. We sort of did a lot of that. And as we got into different things, the band would change. And um, so he was kind of my sort of compadre. And then when menswear formed many years later, needed a keyboard player. I got him on board as a keyboard player. And then when I got kicked out of menswear, he was a really lame friend and didn't really bother making an effort trying to get in, like, after I got fired. So we haven't spoken since. So it's, as much as I still think he's a bit of a cunt, I, it's a shame that there's a whole era from, like, being 12 to being, like, 19. Yeah. And all I did, apart from a bit of college, was go music and play music, often with this guy, Paul. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I guess, yeah, I guess we were pretty confident you've got to be pretty confident to get on stage and show off haven't you really? yeah well that that's kind of why i want to know to, to then bring it into to menswear a little bit and because i went to school with uh, a lad that was in my year called todd that played drums in menswear oh yes 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 and, yes, yes. and todd ended up in the beatings was it i think like that's right yeah that sounds and, about right uh, yeah. and i remember he's seeing that select cover and the club that i, I run Johnny and Chris used to come to. It's called the Pink Toothbrush in, in Rayleigh. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. Uh, And so they were, at the time, Chris was in a band called Smear, and he had long hair with big red streaks in, and, uh, and he used to play with, with, with our band a little bit. And, uh, and, and yeah, and then I just didn't see him for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, from looking like the lad that used to turn up with long red hair in a Kingmaker T-shirt was this Ace Face mod <laughs> in Select magazine. And I was Were like, well, <laughs> what's going on here? And then... Take, that Kingmaker T-shirt? <laughs> but fast forward, obviously, you know, of, of speaking to, to, to Johnny on this podcast, you, you know, a few years ago, like the, how quickly things happened in that band and the, and, and just from like a DJ, knowing, you know, a couple of the lads in the band, being really interested and excited to see people, you know, that you know doing well. Like, it, it went big very quickly. And I just wonder, how was that for you? 
it, you didn't get time to think about it. So indie kind of hits. Yeah. So I'm like 17 or something. Indie music hit in Birmingham. It was, it was predominantly the wonder stuff and probably itself on all those bands. Ned Summit dustbin. It was like, Oh, we've got a thing. They look like us. We've got a thing. And so all the music that I'd been playing all of a sudden was like, ah, ah, that goes out the window. It's all about indie, indie guitars. Um, and so that was that, that set us on that course. And I really loved that thing because it felt, it felt real for that moment. I remember hearing, liking Blur when they first arrived and going to go and see them and stuff. And then hearing Modern Life is Rubbish and going, that's it. Yeah, that was a great changer, it. wasn't it? I'm going down to London to go to art school and I'm going to find a band. That's what I'm going to do. And this is, I'm going to wear my docks and my turned up jeans and I'm wear like Fred Perry and I've got a fucking Fred Perry on now. I That's total coincidence. Um, and like a three button jacket and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to go to Camden and I'm going to do that. And so, but having played in bands for years and most of them are not very good or not happening, it just didn't lift off and moving to London and joining a couple of bands and they're not really happening and not, not working and going to the first rehearsal with menswear, the very in a terrible studio in sorry, that should be on silent. It is on silent. Um being in a terrible studio, rehearsal studio in Leightonstone, and doing one rehearsal, and then the bass player Stuart saying, We're gonna get signed, you know. And being signed was like was like it was the whole not just the whole it didn't fucking happen. Nobody got signed. None of your mates got signed bands. We were from Birmingham. And even then, it, it didn't it take work and, and years and playing shit gigs and getting better and like, and it didn't. It took, we did a show, one show at the Amersham Arms in New Cross that we tried to keep A&R people away from, but somehow they found out about. And we got offers then and we played five songs because we had five songs. And then we did another show at Smashing, which is a nightclub that we mm. hang out at. A three song set there. And more offers. So that's then we, fucking incredible, isn't oh, it? It's, it's ludicrous. It is, and these weren't small deals; these were big deals. Yeah. We look really great. We look really great. Mm. And the first—I don't know—of the first six songs we wrote, four of those were the first four singles. Mm. It's quite a clip, that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we were like, we're not fucking manufactured. Literally, we're not manufactured. Um, but then it used to happen incredibly quickly. What's strange looking back is how little care we took of ourselves and each other. You know, Chris was 17, I think. I just turned 19. And like, it's, is, it, is it a good thing to be flown first class to New York and given unlimited budgets to fuck about and like hotels and stuff when you're 19, 18, 17, 18, I mean, 19. if you asked me when I was 19, I would have bit your fucking arm off, mate. <laughs> exactly. It's brilliant. But you look back and you think, did we deal with that very well? Should we make more of that opportunity? Should we have maybe kept our feet on the ground? Should we have been easier on ourselves? You know, nobody... It was a really great thing. It was wonderful. Don't get me wrong. We had the most fun. But I remember going to Japan, for instance, the first time, and uh, and one of the members was getting huge panic attacks, massive panic attacks, um, and had to be flown home before we did a gig. And everybody just went, right, okay, well, we'll get the keyboard player to play guitar. We'll just, we'll, nobody said, is he all right? Really? Does he need help? 
why has this happened? Why is this guy having crippling panic attacks? We just thought, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's keep moving. Let's go on, on to the next thing. Let's have another drink. And you're like, fuck, it's not very healthy, that, is it? And, you know, these days, self-care and, you know, do you think do you, do you think that is in place now for, for for bands more? Do you think there is like an infrastructure now to protect, you know, and not just indie bands like you know some of these people that go for these you know TV shows where they're thrust into you know to, to to huge you know Saturday night TV fame where everybody knows your name and 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 sometimes you know you are just spat at the other side and forgotten about you know do you think that there is just from you know what obviously what you've done over the years in music like have you seen significant changes where there's seems to be a sort of an infrastructure of care yes yeah i think that more work can always be done um and i think i mean hasn't it how many years ago when adele booked like three wembley stadiums and cancelled them yeah if that was happening in 94 it'd be like shut up get on stage yeah. It's too much insurance to claim you're just doing it. And maybe she would have felt like she would have had to have done it. Now, you know, biggest artists in the world can just cancel stuff. So I feel there is, there is, people are more aware. The TV fame thing is different. I find that really difficult. Mm. I'm sure, I assume, that there's better care in place than maybe there was in the past at TV companies. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure people are better at it. But I think people underestimate how odd it must be to go from having an ordinary job yeah you know and then all of a sudden for two or three weeks everybody knows who you are yeah and then you're back in that ordinary job again I'm sure some people can handle it you know it took i mean i was never famous famous but it took me a long time to come to terms with what happened and how quickly it happened and the kind of echoes of that definitely it wasn't it wasn't great and it all goes wrong you know I'm going to ask you uh, for the next track, please, Matt, to tell me uh, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Right. Well, um, I used to really like going out. It's good, isn't it? It's good. Uh, from when I was like from indie clubs, except the other thing, like as, as indie kind of happened, indie clubs happened, you know, and there'd be the Hummingbird in Birmingham, Edwards number eight or Goldwinds, And you'd go down there and you'd, you'd, you'd you know, it would probably be slightly rockier on a Saturday, a bit more Jane's Addiction, Saturday, out and out indie. And I just loved it. I loved the community. I loved it. So, but then that moved into kind of like, I also quite liked, you know, dance music. The more kind of, it's quite a lot of, sort of handbag house and happy house in Birmingham, which I quite enjoyed the going out aspect of. Once again, I liked the kind of community. And then moving to London. And as I said, yeah, there was a club called Smashing on Regent Street that menswear used to go. It was run by our manager. And that was the first time I'd been to a club where they'd be like, right, we're going to play uh, some Can, and then we're going to play The Pretenders. And then we're going to play the new single from Pulp, because Pulp have just dropped it off and given it to the DJ. And then we're going to play some Bowie. And it was like, wow, it's fucking... It's, it was the first time that I felt like I was at a club where it didn't matter. It was all just music. It was cool, but it was like all music. And then from that came when the real, the clubbing clubbing started was with the heavenly social um, started off at the Albany and then moved into terminals. And that was, that was that moment when like chemical brothers and well, orbital been around a bit before then and uh, fat boy slim. And it all came, it became one thing I didn't like about the big super clubs was it always felt a little bit exclusive 
the VIP bits over there. Mm. You know, it was all a little bit, you've got to dress a certain way. If you weren't like kind of beautiful, then maybe you'd feel a little bit out of place. Whereas then the kind of big beat, or if you want to call it, thing came along and just chucked that out the window. Yeah. It was really, really good fun. And there was lots of bands that were kind of affiliated with that. So the track I, I chose was um, a Chemical Brothers remix of uh, Nine, Ac- Nine Acre Dust, it's called. It's a Chemical Brothers charlatans thing that the Chems did, um, which perfectly encapsulated the sort of huge, big, catchy songs, but also like absolute pounding beats. We used to go to terminals and go and see the Chemical Brothers. Every They were like residents at terminals. You'd go and see them every Friday. Before, like... They'd play, but then you get like, like an African Bambata or someone as well. It was a really brilliant, quite, uh, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. As lots of people did in the 90s. Yeah. But that song does remind me of those, of those weekends. Yeah. What about you? What's your, what's your, what's your clubbing tune? You get indie club, dance club, something in the middle? Uh, I don't know. I think... The indie clubs, my my real strong memory was going to uh, a night at the gas club called, uh, what was it called? Automatic, run by Jeff Automatic. Yeah, I remember. And the, Ooh, and the DJs was Jeff, uh, and the warm-up was a guy called Errol Alken. I think he'd done all yes. right. Uh, he's done okay for himself. And uh, and cable breaker Ian Baker would often jump on the yeah. ones and twos as well. Um, but I've got a, two songs from that era. One one's just debaser, just hearing debaser there, and and just yeah. you know losing your shit. But there's a track by a band. Were, were they were they from Birmingham? Uh, called Eat, and uh, and it's called yes. Shame. And oh my god, I remember Shame. Yeah, 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 yeah. Such a fucking tune, man. Eat. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, heroin, unfortunately. That, yeah. That, didn't it? That first Ange album. Doolittle. That's a pop yeah, star's yeah. name, mate. <laughs> yeah, he was gorgeous as well, wasn't he? Yeah, um, yeah th- that first album as well, Sell, Sell Me a God. Yeah. Is a bit of a is a bit of a gem, really. Mm. Yeah, because I had I was I was like so many of these songs as well were kind of brought to me by other people. So like when indie hit I hadn't, I hadn't really got my head around what it was yet. I used to take the Mickey at Smiths going, what's this flowers in your pocket, mm. you know, hearing aid, NHS specs thing. What was this about? Um, and then a friend of mine called Catherine used to like literally go, right, come around, have cups of tea, smoke fags. So we're like 16, 17. She'd be like, right, this is Screamy Delica. Go and listen to this. Oh. Come back going, oh, fucking hell, wow. <laughs> yeah. And here, here's like the Stone Roses, Sally Cinnamon. Oh, this is, oh, fucking amazing. I remember her, yeah, I remember her, her, her giving me the first two Pixies albums and just being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
shouting, guys? Is Spanish? Like, what the fuck? This is bananas. And like entering it like that, and yeah, kind of finding the songs there. Obviously, like like the base of it being. Yes, I was really fortunate to be introduced by by cooler people. Yeah, a lot. I just want to talk about a little bit before. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to go home county now, then we'll get on to it then. So, um, but before I I get to to that question, I I asked you about um, confidence, Matt, and you've, you know, as you said, like post menswear and then um, Montrose Avenue, and then on to to you know an incredible career post sort of playing. how driven are you? Oh. I, I've been really lucky. So lots of things I've ended up doing. But then you kind of put yourself in a situation. You make your own luck, Matt, 100%. Yeah, well, like, you know, like, like I wouldn't have joined menswear had I not been going into Camden every time I could scrape together the bus fare and every time I'd just hang around outside venues going I'll carry the drum cases you don't know who I am I'll just I just want to get in yeah and I've done that all the time which once again my parents must have been terrified just disappearing off to London um now I still want to do really good stuff I still get really excited when I get a chance to do really good work on the radio so like we've just the first time is an interview show that I do on six music and we're doing a new series as we speak. And we've got Herbie Hancock. Wow. So, like, trying to get that interview in place and speaking to his people and his management team and, like, wrestling the whole thing into place and working out the questions, getting the research, and then doing the interview with, like, one of the most important jazz musicians of all fucking time. Yeah. Um, that gave me a real rush. I, I felt like, you know, that was great. Yeah. I still like that. Also, the first time I ever saw anybody break dance, it was to rock it. Exactly. Yeah, man. Like, he was playing with Miles Davis when he was like 18 years old. It's mental how cool that guy is. Um, I, don't, I, oh, I think I don't want to be famous. I've got no, I've got no desire to be. It's nice to be recognized. Nice to do stuff like this. Nice to sort of people to go. That was I enjoyed that show. I love it when that happens, when people are like, oh, that feels great. And I really like that I'm in a position now where sometimes I can get to some of those people that I really, really love. You know, I've done an interview with Kate Bush. I did an interview with Prince. You know, I... I mean, you don't really need to go on there. I mean, you've ticked... I mean, that'd do, wouldn't it? Kate Bush and Prince. it's, It's really... It's brilliant. I get to, I've interviewed Paul McCartney a few times. Do you ever get imposter syndrome? Everyone does. I think it's really healthy. I think, yeah, everybody should have that little voice. Hopefully not too loud. Yeah. And hopefully not constantly, because that would be difficult. Just going like, like, you don't know what you're fucking doing. (laughs) (laughs) You're fucking making this up. You're making it up. And we're all making it up. Making yeah. it up is what you do. You don't emerge fully minted with incredible musical skills, interviewing skills, presenting skills. That, that's what you do. You make it up. I think the people that haven't got that are the sociopaths. I'm <laughs> fucking amazing. <laughs> Those are the people that you should be worried about. Those are the Patrick Batemans, I think. Those are the people who are all massively successful and enormously wealthy, probably in finance. Um, 
so yeah i think everyone i don't worry about it so much anymore i used to really worry about trying to be cool i think menswear was a cool thing hmm. like the mod thing's a cool thing there was a certain expectation to look a certain way still is it's ridiculous that scene is so so the, the pressure to, to kind of for some you know, yeah I, i'm i'm very intrigued but i would never attempt that scene it's like no. I, I i am not cool enough for that scene no, no, but it's it's and i quite I, I quite like the attention to detail but I, yeah, I spent and then to be honest a lot of what's happened is a reaction to things going bollocks up right right i think if I've got if I've got an ability, it's oh fuck you then, right? You know I I got booted out of menswear. Screw you, fuck it. I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna find another band, a better band. And I found another band. That band got dropped and treated really badly by the record label. Screw you. I'm gonna I'm become a music journalist. You know, um, missed out on a few jobs. Didn't get recognition. Well, fuck you. I'm gonna get to fucking radio then. Like every time it's gone wrong, you know that's made me want to go, well, I'll prove you wrong, which is ridiculous because it's like, no, there's it's no, you. there's no like world out there going, we've got it into yourself, right? Yeah. But I, 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 there's only something I realized a while ago that when, when things go wrong, I'm quite good at moving on. Yeah. That's, she's weird. So I guess that's, yeah, that's, we're all, you know, that's just insecurity, isn't it? I'm going to, oh, so. you wrong. Who's you? I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Someone. Someone. All um, right. I, if, 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 if I can keep moving towards doing things I'm proud of, um, that'll do. Yeah. That'll do. Totally. You know. Right, I'm going to take you home. Favourite yeah. song from an artist from your home county, please. Oh, it's very difficult, that, isn't it? Um, what you got? What you got in Brum? Well, we've got, well, we think, I mean, you say Birmingham or Midlands, or like, how far are we going? We go Midlands if you want. I mean, I mentioned the Wonder Stuff. I have a lot of fondness for the Wonder Stuff because it felt like they were my um, kind of us, our community. I want Brummies. to talk about them for a bit with you. Well, go on then, go on then. Uh, probably going to go and watch them, actually. They're doing Never Loved Elvis at the moment. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Shepherd's Bush, I think it is next week. Um, I think... We mentioned um, Madness earlier. I think Miles Hunt is criminally underrated as a songwriter. Yeah, yeah like, I, think, I think you're right. I think uh, you're right. You look at the greatest hits of the Wonder Stuff, it's fucking incredible. And like, yeah. and you look at them, you know, their first three albums, they're fucking bang on. And yeah. his voice is amazing. And I don't know if it's because he was you know, famously a bit of a gobshite when, you know, the stuffies were, were, were as big as they were that that went against him. But I I think it's that, it's that scene as well, which when 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 kind of music looks back <coughs> over, you know, the, the, the you know alternative music or whatever, it's Joy Division, it's that period of, you know, that post punk and then it's like and then Manchester happened and then and then grunge happened and then Brit oh, hang on. What about here? What about like nobody? Nobody pays attention to the Midlands, and it's like no one, what? Yeah. What happened? Why do people not, not even just like the Midlands? But why don't people ever talk about Wonder Stuff, Carter, Ned's, EMF, all of these? But Jesus Jones, these bands had number ones in America, and yeah, it's like, yeah. and they just kind of 
seem to have like and poppies and things like that when you actually l- listen to poppies and what they were doing with sampling and stuff in like yeah, the beastie boys like, beastie boys loved them yeah, yeah man and it's like and they kind of all get sort of bundled into that grebo scene or whatever you wanted to call it and and yeah. kind of just sort of forgotten a little bit and and i think it's a, a real real shame that that you know music press always seem to look back either side of it and yeah. you know with, with Manchester and then straight into Seattle or or, or Camden, and yeah, I think and, and I think there was so much great music there. Like you know, these bands yeah. had huge number one records and you know it, like, number one albums. Sorry, and and like I say, Jesus Jones and EMF, American like number Jesus. ones. Like yeah. you know, yeah. and also lovely yeah. Yeah, it, I think some of it with the Midlands bands is it, it was never about self-aggrandizement. It was it was never about it's. You see it in lots of bands. Like it's a very good thing if you're able to to kind of control your legacy, control your mythology, set down uh, mythology, set down like what the greater cultural place that you come from. Brummies don't do that. <laughs> Brummies are much more like talking diddies great you know there's there's miles you know was I, I i think don't know him particularly well um loved the stuff that he did i don't think he was he was ever entirely comfortable with like the punk ethos of like fuck off i'm not going to do i'm not going to play the game and then you become the game and it's very difficult to do both things at the same time yeah yeah i think it, it's you've got to yeah You've got to take control at a certain point. If you get to a band to a certain size, you've got to start making your own mythology. You've got to start bending the world around you to suit you, you know, Mm. Um, inventing things that you can own. And I don't think that's necessarily a sort of a Midlands trait. Mm -hmm. I think it's much more direct than that and self-effacing. And there's a dryness to the humour and a warmth that doesn't really go along with that. You too would never have been the stadium bad if they came from Birmingham. <laughs> Can you see a Brummie band going, right, now, we've been playing a lot of protest songs. We're going to go to Joshua Tree, right? We're going to try and capture the myth of America. We're going to look like Washmore in this black and white cover, Joshua Tree. We talk about mining town. No fucking band in Birmingham is ever going to do that. <laughs> Ned's Atomic Dustbin are never going to do a live satellite link up with Salman Rushdie, are they? It's not no going to happen. Way. That is not dissing you two. That is not dissing the Brummy bands. I'm saying that's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to, it's not in the nature. And I'm generalizing, obviously, about people from the Midlands. Um, it, it's, it's, yeah, look at Blur. Blur, Blur decided to create a world around themselves. Oasis's world at that time was like their world was fucking, you know, burnage. That's the world, getting out of burnage. This is where we, that's not creating it. It's just tapping into something that you consciously or consciously, unconsciously stand for. There is, it's a very mod thing, isn't it? This is what we believe in. Oasis, I'm sure there was never a credo on the wall, but, you know, no fucking makeup in photo shoots. Walk on stage in what you're dressed in, you know, fucking beat or keep boom, boom, keep it simple, keep it real. No pretension, no fucking moon spoon, June lyrics. That's it. And, you know, poppies didn't do that. Stuffies didn't do that. They didn't really decide to do that. So maybe that's why they don't get the recognition because it's a harder story to tell. Mm. 
Maybe you're the man to tell it. Maybe you're the man to document it somehow, you know, because it's, it's, you're right. It was, it was a vibrant scene. Some amazing songs. I remember being at Beskett Stadium in Warsaw. Oh, there you go. Never Loved Elvis comes out. Massive record. Number one, Size of a Cow. Not the best song, but a big number. So they broke it. They make it. What do you do? Do you go and play like a triumphant big London set and establish? No, you play Warsaw Football Stadium. Because that's close to where you come from, yeah. to the yeah. people that come from where you come from, and you celebrate. Yeah, it wasn't a good career move, but it was a brilliant fucking show. Yeah, and what was more important, I think, to Miles, it was like, yeah, doing it for us and our. Yeah, you know, I'm theorising. I guess I don't know. I haven't chosen one, have I? Um, I tell you what, I'm going to choose. Although he would argue the case, I'm going to choose a song by Robert Plant. Okay. Only because it's recently. So I do a podcast with Robert called Digging Deep, where which is just a fucking nuts thing to say. I do a podcast with Robert Plant. <laughs> um, obviously, coming from the Midlands, everyone's enormously proud of, of, of Zep, the half of Zep that came from the Midlands and the half that didn't. Um, it's like Sabbath. It's like you just like, maybe that's a lot to do with the, with the metal thing. Yeah, you can't not like Sabbath. If you come from Talking a lot about where I came from. Funny um, and. It's been a really lovely experience to get to know Robert a little bit and Robert and go around his house a couple of times a year and do this podcast and speak to him about music. And he's a just absolutely superb guy. I admire him as a musician. I admire him as a kind of a beacon of how to be, how to deal with life. He is on the one hand, Robert Plant, you know, he's, he's the man with his top off in front of 50,000 people holding a dove with the hair and, you know, the greatest rock rhythm section thing, machine behind him. He's done that. He's seen that. He's seen things that would make your, you know, toes curl. But he's also just this really nice guy. He, like, plays football with his mates and goes to the pub. He's massively unpretentious. And I don't know how he got there, but he's, he's negotiated his life in a way that I kind of admire. You, you can do your own thing and enjoy the benefits of success or what you're acclaimed for but treat it with a certain arched eyebrow and like you know you can dance about a little bit and um so we choose a different song this podcast each week and he we chose one he chose one the other day called all the king's horses which is not a song of his i was very familiar with and it's just brilliant i'm saying it not because it's it's just a song that i've got in my life a lot of them like you i've listened to it when i first heard i put it under the car like six times in a row um, and it's a little bit about him. It's about not wanting to be in one place for too long. One of the I like about Robert, apart from his music, is is, is like he's quite difficult to track down because he'll just fuck off to Morocco with no notice. Like unlike other musicians, it's like oh here's the touring schedule. He's like I'm off now. I'm going to go to Nashville because I feel like it. He's 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 he likes to travel and move around. Um, so this song's kind of about him and not wanting to be in any one place physically and maybe emotionally. It's kind of beautiful. It's off the Mighty Rearranger album. There's a million songs I could have chosen, okay. but I think yeah, he's, 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 he's Midlands. I love him. He's an amazing man. He's really sweet. Wonderful. Last track. Oh, fuck. The song that many people may not know that you want them to hear. Come on, man. Oh. I'm going to make you uh, a t- an influencer, they're called now. Is it? Yeah, there you go. What, do, what kind of thing do people normally choose? Well, it's really weird, but 
some people just choose like brand new music um, yeah. that that I'm sure most people will probably hear on six. Um, or other than that, like, what did someone choose? Paul Oakenfold chose. What did he choose last week? He chose "Joy and Pain" by Maze and featuring Frankie Beverly, which is obviously I, I thought quite a well-known song. But uh, but uh, yeah, so he he that was the last one uh, that we done was 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 him choosing that. So yeah, it can be anything that you think people may not know. Okay, well, no, I've I've got a few. I've got a playlist I've done for this. That I'll probably keep adding to. So feel free to share that. Uh, if you want I will I listen do that um, Oscar Peterson Oscar Peterson if you do not know was possibly the greatest one of the greatest jazz pianists of all time he died probably about 15 years ago and he was just phenomenal just the most beautiful player uh, towards the end of his life I saw him towards the end of his life he played the Royal Albert Hall I went with my dad because my dad was a big fan of his and um, he had a stroke late in life, and so his left hand couldn't play with the speed or dexterity that it used to. But amongst the jazz community, they were like, yeah, but they almost weirdly made him better because the stuff he did play was so more beautifully phrased than the flashy stuff of his youth. Anyway, a brilliant musician. Oscar Peterson, Oscar Peterson Trio, maybe the finest distillation of his, of his stuff. Can I even find it? It's going to be around here somewhere, isn't it? See me asking find records isn't it behind me which is incredibly difficult oh that's the rubber sole i was talking about there we go wonderful there it is with a patina a patina of of age on it love it um and yes and there's a record he did called night train i'm not gonna be able to find am i no i'm not it's somewhere in there my record drawers um and it's just great there's some jazz standards on there some beautiful stuff but the final song is called Hymn to Freedom and it's a song that I just keep coming back to when I kick the bucket that's the one I want played I want people to be bawling their eyes out (laughs) Um, and whenever I play it to people they kind of they kind of get it and then it becomes a song you know when like people give you songs you know alright that's now kind of become a song that I love as well yeah when you do that when you like, you picture your funeral and your song, your song being played. I always picture it like because I don't want like you know a joyous thing. I, I want absolute fucking yeah. heartbreak. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone know, in fucking bits. Women yeah. in like black vows, like yeah. sort of yeah. you know, throwing yeah. roses yeah. at my coffin and stuff. Like that. I want some real fucking drama. But I always picture everybody at the age they are now being there. That's a very good point. So do I. Yeah. That's a very good point. And I just think, well, they're not. They're all going to be, hopefully, they're all going to be old as fuck. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Just check if that was yeah. uh, what you've done as well. Yeah. Like, like, I want, yeah. Never thought about it, but you're right. I mean, hopefully there's going to be, you know, tears and... I, don't, I mean, you, you talk about that, don't you? Like, oh, what's, what's the song that you play at your funeral? But really, A, does it fucking matter? It doesn't fucking no. matter. But B, really, what do you want? Like, really, what do you really want people to be feeling? Why even have a fucking funeral? Is it, it's so weird Do you think about it. It's yeah. like, do we have to really have this? Yeah. Does it? I spoke to a guy the other day on the podcast, and, and he, he was... Uh, um, uh, John Altman was his name, and he was... Um, uh, he is a, a, an arranger, and, uh, and he'd... 
I don't know if you're familiar with him, and uh, but he, he he was in bands with like Nick Drake and like just, just insane stuff he'd done throughout his career. Yet nobody really his saxophonist played with Amy Winehouse and has, has just literally just managed to have this amazing career. Yet nobody really knows who he is. He wrote like jingles. He wrote like Sheila's Wheels and fucking can't fit quicker than a quick fit fit or something. <laughs> okay, bananas like um, uh, a, a career. And and I was just chatting to him, and I was talking about funeral songs, and uh, and he went, he said, yeah, he said, well, you know, during the seventies, um, just through some of the work I was doing, I ended up um, becoming the the go to guy uh, for Monty Python. Like uh, um, Terry Jones had always like involved me in the meetings and that, and so I co-wrote um, all the, uh, the 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 Python songs, and I'm like, what? And uh, and he then starts talking about always look on the bright side of life. And he said, you know, like this this thing that we messed around with become this thing that gets played at funerals forever. And I was like, you was involved in that? And he's like, yeah. And like literally, honestly, like just have a little dive into this guy called John Altman. And I'm not going to lie, right? When I got yeah, off, no, making a note, making a note. I got offered him by a friend of mine called Mark Baxter, and uh, and he went, oh, you should have John Altman on. And Mark Baxter's very much involved in the mod scene. And so I thought, this is terrible, and I, I do apologise to, to John. When he said John Altman, I thought he meant John Altman who played Nick Cotton that was in Quadrophenia. <laughs> so I thought, oh, that'd be an interesting chat That'd be good. Yeah, to Nick Cotton. And, and then when I actually sort of realised it wasn't uh, <laughs> Nasty Nick, it was uh, uh, this composer and arranger, I then sort of looked into him and I was like, fucking hell. And it was like, every page you turned, it was like, he's just done all this amazing stuff. But yeah, he... And that, that was it. It just made me think of it when he was saying about funeral songs and just how this song is just so, yeah. like, always look on the bright side of life. Ultimately, it's not about that kind of morose, everybody, you know, cry while you're playing, everybody hurts. Let's, this let's, is... watch, let's watch a dead body be lowered into a hole. Why do we have to do that? <laughs> oh, it's no. fucking horrible. <laughs> while the people you love look at... <laughs> Your essentially this lump of meat and bones that contains none of your <laughs> life, and if you believe in that, any yeah. spiritual, it's just let's watch some meat get dropped into a fucking hole. Why? <laughs> fucking hell! What an awful thing to do! Oh, wonderful! Um, Matt, is that your is that your choice? That one? Oh, I don't know. It'll do. I think. You sure. Um, it's beautiful. Have a listen to it. It's really nice. Well, we make it easy for people to listen because we do a we do a Spotify playlist, but you've also done uh, a, a, a you know a forty four hour playlist as well. Uh, oh, it's only let's have a look. I'll knock some things off. How long is it? It's oh, it's only an hour and a half. <laughs> So um, we'll we'll drop um, the link to to Matt's playlist uh, into the the show notes of the uh, of this episode. So go check it out. Um, Matt, what's happening? What, what's, what's coming up? What's next? We've got a new series for the first time on 60 Music. As I say, we've got Herbie Hancock. It's really good. We're excited about that. And um, that's good. Got to do it and edit on it this afternoon, actually. Got off to Glastonbury once again with the BBC. So we'll Wonderful. be reporting and broadcasting from there. Um, the production company that I run, uh, co-founded, co-run with... Um, my mate have got, we do a podcast with a guy called Sean Keaveney called The Lineup. That's happening, kind of a music podcast. And we do um, another podcast called True Spies, uh, where we meet real espionage, like real CIA, MI5 people. It's fucking nuts. It's a really good show. Um, 
and another one called The Spying Game, where we put together real-life spies with people that kind of write and invent spies, like people, film directors and mm-hmm. scriptwriters, hosted by Rory Bremner. So we're making that at the moment. That's out I, I spoke to Rory about that. Uh, Did you? He's a lovely the, man. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this when we finish uh, the, 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 the chat about the Rory thing, because that podcast sounds incredible. It's a really good laugh, yeah. It's great. It's really interesting. And then what other stuff? Working on some big music shows, music podcast series, can't talk about them yet. Um, but they could be quite good fun if they happen. Doing, we did um, a while ago. We did a Joy Division and, and New Order podcast called Transmissions, which was the definitive story of the band up to a certain point, and they all did it. Bernard, Stephen, and Gillian, and Hooky did it as well. Nice. Considering the fact they don't get on, mm. and we had some amazing contributors like Damon, Orban, and Johnny from Radiohead, and. Uh, some incredible people came came and did it and so that went from the forming of Joy Division up to Blue Monday and we started working on the second season of that going from Blue Monday on to uh, a certain football anthem that they did so we've been interviewing New Order so that'll be out later this year when we finish it uh, finish making that but yeah like a whole bunch of other projects and what else is happening want to go on holiday um, yeah got a lot of laundry to do at the moment and yeah, just kind of Sean keeping his 50th birthday tomorrow. This will obviously be gone by the time this goes out, but yeah, Wonderful. doing something for Sean. Lovely. Um, and yeah. And if people want to keep up the speed with you, mate, where's the best place to follow all of your oh, works? I mean, I do, I, I quite like a bit of Twitter at mm-hmm. Matt Everett and I, I don't mind a bit of Instagram at Everett Matt. Couldn't get Matt Everett. Mm-hmm. Tried. A bit late on it. Um, listen to Six Music, Cup and Nuzzle, Cup of Nuzzle Twitter, Cup of Nuzzle Instagram kind of shows the shows that we've been making at the moment. Um, but yeah, everything's everything's all right. I mean, politically, the fucking Oh, yeah, step, that's all gone I mean, to shit. That, Not about that. That whole thing. But, um, but yeah, we're okay. Good. Man, we do it it's been lovely. Thank it's you so a- much, mate. Thanks, man. I've enjoyed it. Have a good one. There you go. Matt Everett. Oh, what a lovely chat kind of knew that was going to be a good chat my friend Jim Benner um, previous guest on here um, Jim Benner from from War Child and previously XFM and such um, years ago when I was chatting to him he was like oh you should speak to Matt Everett he'd be a great guest and uh, and yeah Jim weren't wrong like what a great natter and it's lovely when someone's the same age as you and you know they've had their moments of you know growing up and, and witnessing the excitement of Adam and Madness and you know, all of that kind of big 80s pop and then, you know, through to catching the Smiths on, you know, second time round and then and experiencing the early 90s indie scene through to, you know, when electronic music, you know, sort of really moved into that scene. And, yeah, and and then just to get to explore, you know, some some lovely nats about jazz and such. And, yeah, what, what a top, top fella. And, oh, my God, I mean, I'm just jealous of his job, you know, getting to sit down and you know, have these conversations with, with Prince, you know, and to to have a podcast and talk and hang out with Robert Plant. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're big old boxes to tick and, yeah, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. So, yeah, thanks ever so much um, to Matt for giving up his time and, and, and having this this lovely natter. Um, I'm back next time. In the meantime, go check out the everything you need to know about this podcast at the website, um, Patreon, social media, everything is your one-stop shop is at that website, which is offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com.
I'm back next time. See you soon. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whipping. Eat a book.